0: The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Welcome to One-on-One with Mitch LaFonna. Joining me on this episode, it is bassist vocalist Mark Holmes from iconic Canadian band Platinum Blonde. We talk about the band's history, what they are up to these days, and Mark's work with Alex Lifeson of the band Rush. Before checking that out, please check me out on Twitter at Mitch Lafon. One-on-One, Mitch Lafon on Facebook and paypal.me forward slash Mitch And with that, here is the one, the only, Mark Holmes. We are speaking with Mark Holmes of the band Platinum Blonde. Uh, good day, Mark. Pleasure to speak with you. Uh, thank you so much. So there's a lot to cover. Now, you're on tour. You'll be coming to Montreal on October 28th to play the uh, Astral um, first of all, just tell, talk to me a little bit about the current tour. I saw you earlier this year opening up for Vince Neil out in, um, where was that? It was somewhere in Belleville, Ontario, which was a great show. Yeah. Um, talk to me about what the band is doing these days live. You want me to talk about what the band's doing these days live?
1: Yeah. Um, well, um, not much different from what we did uh in the beginning, really. I mean, we're a three-piece. We went back to being a three-piece band. Um, uh, Kenny's placement you know, after he passed on, didn't exactly work the way we wanted it to, and so I just decided to pick up the bass again and go three-piece, and we've been kind of doing that ever since. It's worked out quite well. We've been that way for about three years now, and uh, all the new recordings and stuff will, will reflect that. And it. plus, it's 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 it's. it's it's a lot closer to our original sound, I think, which you know a lot of bands are are adopting these days.
0: Yeah, which is which is a good thing. So, so talk to me about new music because you know the band is able to go out there and play the hits and and get booked. You know, new music isn't necessary, but for you but as to, an artist, to, to, yeah, yeah, to
1: me, to new music, to me, new music's everything. I I don't, I don't live in the past. I won't tour unless I have new music. And we uh, we were lucky enough to have quite a few hits with our um, with Now and Never, um, uh, you know, with Beautiful and and Valentine and stuff, and a lot of DJs doing remixes on those tracks too to them into dance hits. So it, it it was really good. So the new technology sort of favoured us quite a bit, and um, it's to me it's uh, I just stay current, and get get on it. I think it's got a lot to do with my DJ career too, because uh, that's you know you've got to shift very current with that with, with electronic music. And um when we finally decided to make a record and, and to go on tour, I I want to be able to uh, encompass the original sound and of, of course the, the classic sound um mm-hmm. that we have and then I also wanted to bring in bring it into two thousand uh fourteen, which is where, no two thousand twelve when we released it. Right. And uh, now we're working on some new stuff, and uh, I think that's that's really what makes us tick. I've never been uh, I, I can't just go out there and just play a bunch of old hits, and can't do it. That's not me. I don't need to do it. So I'll do it when you know when we've got new stuff. And you know it's nice to see people singing along, especially the fans are singing along with the new stuff. A the younger fans are especially. Um, because uh, of how it made it to the dance floors and stuff, but it's it's really good, and we've got a especially when um, Crystal Castles did not in love with Robert Smith. That's another thing that went around the world, and I just and I did a remix to that as well. And uh, it's just it, you know it's been firing all sorts, and 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 now people are seeing the influence of a lot of the younger bands. Uh, you know, like I said, embracing our sound as part of. Uh, uh, their new music which is which has really helped us out a lot, so um we've been quite fortunate uh, with with some timing I think we were fortunate with timing when we started and and we've been pretty much fortunate with timing and uh, now we've we're back into it
0: yeah so so the last one now and never was in uh two thousand and twelve is the next one for two thousand and sixteen later this year, or are we looking at two
1: thousand and seventeen um well it's it's a bit dodgy because I've got I've got an electronic album I'm I'm working on at the moment and a solo album I'm working on at the moment and then of course some of the band stuff. The band stuff will be more of an EP. Uh, the solo album will be a full album and of course the electronic electronic record will be an EP as well. Uh so I've got a bunch of things on, on the go. Um, right now I'm just concentrating on my solo career uh for 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 the recording end of it. And uh, but mostly everything is coming in 2017. It's a bit of a time. I mean, we never really released an album every year anyway. I'm always, uh, It's funny how fast years go by. When, and and, and when, you, when you're thinking about when's the last time we recorded a record, you know, it doesn't really come to mind. It's, oh, shoot, really? It's two years old? Oh, my goodness. You know, two years old when you're 18 and 16, 17, 18 is an eternity. Two years old when when you're 30 and up is, is is a few weeks, <laughs> you know? It's one of those things.
0: Yeah, it really is. Uh, in terms of, of the new music, though, it, are you trying to capture sort of what's current and what's going on now? Or do you have to think of the fan base and think, okay, I got to go back to 1983 and, and give them something that sounds like the classic Platinum Blonde, or is that not even on the top of your thought process?
1: Well, if, I think most people who... Uh, we, we had a wide range of people who, who got the record and, and liked it and, and we had some classic fans getting it too. Uh, younger fans like it most. You know, you can tell by when you come to the show you see you, most people are quite surprised by, by the age of the fans and I think what it is is, is quite simple. Um, I, I embraced a sound from that that we created uh, for, for for now and never but it, it has a lot of the influence of my electronic music influence as well, with uh, this, just arrangements and sounds and stuff like that. So it, it comes from two places. So, yeah, it does have a current sound, but it's not something I was trying to go to get to. You know, I, was, I wasn't consciously trying to do this. It's just that I was doing a bunch of remixes for some in, independent artists, and a lot of their music sounded like. Our first and second record, and it's just the tr- it's just the way it is. So I didn't really have to concentrate too much on making that sound because that sound was becoming quite much quite much in vogue these days, with with uh, the new indie rock bands and stuff. Um, so yeah, it worked, it worked out quite well. And, and, and it, like I said, it wasn't much of a concentrated effort because it was just it was already there.
0: Yeah, it really was. Uh, if we can, let, let, if we can talk just a little bit about the past. Uh, Standing in the Dark in 83, Alien Shores 85, Contact 87. For me as a fan back then, watching on much music and, and, and going out to the shows, the band was as big as any band in Canada. You you had it all. Uh, America, though, and, and Europe was a bit more difficult uh, what what was the challenges as a Canadian band to get that sort of international recognition?
1: Well, my parents always said I made a huge mistake starting a band in Canada.
0: <laughs>
1: they said you should have done it when you got cut home. And and in a way, it's they're quite they're, for their time, they were probably right. Um, nobody really gave give, give a shit about um, bands uh, based in Canada and around the world. We had to work hard for it. And it's funny how we're so much more popular around the world now than we were back then. Um, And, you know, we just finished, we started our tour playing uh, the Marlins uh, baseball stadium at the beginning of the year in January this year. So go figure. Just go figure. It's just one of those things, man. It's a strange career. But it it just sort of. But people start doing your music. People start doing covers of your stuff. It starts getting into movies and people just start inquiring and before you know it. You've got a, a social network out there of people digging what you're doing. And, and uh, I think that, that has been a huge part of our success and current success as well.
0: We're, we're, did, did you ever get the impression, though, that the record companies, the Canadian record companies back then sort of sandboxed you? So they, they sort of kept you within Canada and really didn't want to expand you out? Cause, I mean, I've spoken to other...
1: No, be, no, okay. because that they would have made so, so much more money. And they did. I mean, we came in America at a time where that whole payola thing and Tony Matola and all that stuff, that that big insanity was going on. And that was all happening with our record label, you know? It was it was really really rough time for everyone, and things shit happens, you know stuff just happens. We played everywhere we played in America was big, sold out, and just nuts. I mean they all knew what was going on. I mean it would have been a lot better if we were just starting now, and you know being seventeen and eighteen years old starting now and be, and getting a hit now because you see it all over the world. You, can't, you, you just can't confine things to a single country anymore like you could back then. Ooh, there's no mobile phones. You saw what you saw on the telly, and that was it. Um, the, all the news was a day old when it, when it came to print. So things when, are
0: different. When, about, when it came like, to rock like, print, now. it was four months old, you know? <laughs> Cause, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but, 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 you know, and, and and things, you know, I... I, I, I I spent a majority of my time back home, I mean, even throughout the whole Platinum Blonde uh, time, you know, because all my, my family's there. So I, I think that, you know, so I, I get exposed to a lot of things. And not just, so, so sometimes people ask me about Canadian music and, and, and there's just stuff I haven't heard or I didn't know about just because I've never really spent a huge amount of time uh, in Canada um, uh, throughout those, those whole, all of those years.
0: Um, let me move over here to um, Alien Shores. You, you had Alex Lifeson of Rush come in and do two tracks, "Crying Over You" and "Holy Water." For, first of all, how did you come together with Alex? You know, where do you meet him? How does that connection take place? And then eventually, we'll get to the album number nine and, and the work he did on that. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, well. Uh... Okay, um, I
1: think, if I remember correctly, I think Serge was playing golf with, uh, with Alex. And Alex's son was a. No, 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 this is how it worked out. Okay, we played Canada's Wonderland. And Alex's son, Justin, who's probably one of my best friends now, strangely enough, was a big fan of the band. And so we suggested to come in and, and play some stuff on the record, you know, because at that time, um, Rush were just in a slight, not a slump, but just a transition. And they are still releasing records and everything, but the music scene and sound had changed so dramatically. And um, I think it sort of, you know, just showed that he is, you know, the, the relevance of, of a good guitar player playing a different style of music, you know. So, so um, he came in uh, and he brought his son to the studio. And, um, he, uh, you know, played first. It was just for crying over you. We were going to do. And then we put up another track and he did, and he did the other track as well, which is great. You know, and it's nice to have a different, uh, idea and a different feel. And, uh, Serge completely can play the, the solos too. You know, and when we do it live, it's pretty much identical. Um, but it was a great solo and it was a great time. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And uh, and it's just so funny how things work out, you know. I, just, I became a sure, good friend of his of his son after that, but not but not for some years after that, and many many years after that, right. um, when I was doing some uh, songwriting for uh, for the Jeff Healy band.
0: What a, what a great band Jeff Healy was. Um, so so before we get to, to number nine, because yeah, you know, I wrote I wrote, Heart, I wrote Heart of
1: an Angel for them. Oh, did you That's really a song, Heart of an Angel? Yeah, I wrote that song. yeah.
0: Yeah, Jeff. Jeff was. Um, well, I don't even know if you can say he was an underrated talent. I mean, people who knew him just knew that he was fantastic.
1: No, um, oh, he was, was magnificent. He's just. He was just. It was interesting. I mean, he didn't. He, he. The thing is, is he didn't. He wasn't a traditionalist in 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 music that thrives on tradition. And that that I think that was the only only uh, thing anyone could say about him in who were who was into that type of
0: music. Yeah, no, it's it's really. Um the, the 90s and I'll get over to, to number 9 in a second here, but it appeared to me and you correct me if I'm wrong that you tried as much as possible to get away from the the, the brand name Platinum Blonde. You you released uh Yeah, 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 as The Blondes. You 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 really didn't do much else and then you came back and you did number 9. What was it about the name and, and trying to rebrand yourself through the nineties. is it funny.
1: Um, I, well, the business of music was so corrosive and that I just wanted to distance myself from all of the insanity that took place. I mean, there was, there was just so many things that I, I can't even get into now. Uh, that, that it made be quite, Jaded against the whole entire industry, I just and I just wanted, I wanted to start from the beginning. I didn't want to leg up. I didn't want anything. So I kept everything. You know, did did, did some more records and stuff, and and the amount of interest we got was, was, was tremendous. Until they found out, oh, it's the guy from Platinum Blonde, and all of a sudden the interest just died again. So I thought, oh, great. So what I have to do? I just, fuck it. I'll just reinvent myself. And then I found, I found the DJing world and I reinvented myself as a DJ and became big as a DJ and did tons of remixes for tons of great independent artists that did really well in the charts. Everything did well, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, then people want to know what I'm doing again. So I got relevancy from that. And then I released a new album uh, with, with, you know, the Now and Never record. And, and all of a sudden, it's a, it's a different story. But, but back then... It was just oh yeah, platinum blonde, that sort of thing. I know we're doing something different now. You know what I mean? I, I, I was barely fucking hitting thirty, and I was it was already like I was fucking over the hill or something.
0: Right, you were like a a quarterback that that had won the Super Bowl but broke his legs, and now we don't need you anymore, kind of thing. Yeah, it,
1: yeah, it it was it was kind of like that. I it just it was just very very odd how how um, that happened, but it's... I literally almost hid from this and, and released things that weren't, didn't even have a name on it. I just want you know, because I felt that if you see, we were such bad boys, we were real rock stars. The real thing. We were bad boys. We were partying, we were fighting. We were, we we're impossible, but we we're also very young and just learning and growing up in front of the, uh, uh, of the world and, and trying to, grow up and be thought of as adults, not children. It was, that's why I always empathize a little bit with, with, um, a lot of, a lot of younger stars that, that grow up and why start doing adult, more adult music today. And and we're, we're doing stuff for kids maybe about five years ago, because it's, it's, it's tough to be taken seriously. And But some people are just breaking those boundaries even today because it can be done. You, but back then, they wouldn't let you do it. They wouldn't let you. The industry did, hated us. They despised us. The press hated and despised us. And it was very, very difficult to get. any. The only allies we had was radio, television, and our fans. They were the only allies we had because the industry... And then, but what happened, you know, and especially when number nine came, it was a good record. But uh, but the thing is, um, those fans that we had that loved us, that were loyal to us, they started working in the music industry. They started being the record label and those pricks that fucking hated us just died off where they deserved to die off to. And, and, uh, and then we finally, the doors weren't closed, slammed shut anymore. they were open. And, uh, Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that evolution.
0: Did, looking back, though, do, do you think you should have kept the Platinum Blonde name and just sort of ridden through the lean years, much like, you know, Def Leppard did or, or anybody in the 90s, quite frankly? Should you have just sort of stuck to your, you know, stick to your guns or Hind- you... hindsight is, twi- hindsight right. is 20, 10, 20, 20? When I,
1: well, no, it just forced me to, to do something else. And when I did something else, found great pleasure and great success in it i mean i put enough together to buy my my own big massive club right i couldn't do that with platinum i didn't even have the money for that shit right Right. now but became a dj and before you know it i was
0: rolling in it do you do you you like the role of dj or or do you sort of wish i love it i absolutely love it no rehearsals right
1: (laughs) right um I, i i i i can rehearse with my you know by myself and i'm uh, you know, you've got your remix stuff and, and yeah, it's, it's, and, 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 and people, you can meet people, you, you know, meet the other DJs, uh, surrounded by beautiful women all the time and VIP areas and stuff like that. And, and, and you meet people when we're playing a band, we are in a hotel in a, in a shuttle to the show in Belleville now, cause cause we, cause we play. Other than Belleville, most of our shows are massive shows, right? You know that was what we chose to do uh, with Vince, right? Most of our shows are big shows. We headline almost every one. the The thing is, is, is you don't meet anyone. You come in, you do. Somebody else, the, the the crew does the sound check for the most part, unless unless it's possible for us to do some some sound check. So. so you you don't really see anyone, you go and you take your pictures with the VIPs and and the press people and stuff. You go on stage, do your show, your people are behind a barrier, you never talk to them, you never get a chance to meet anyone, and then that's it, you're done. Back to the hotel, it's all over. And when you're a DJ though, it's so different because you're part of the party, the reason the party's happening, and people just having such a good time, and, and you're talking and chatting to people, and it's a totally different thing. of course. You're on stage for a lot longer, but it's it's. I really love both worlds. I, I've taken a couple of years off DJing, but I'm definitely going to uh, ramp that up again. That's why I'm doing another record for that. You
0: know. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to that. Hopefully, that that'll come through Montreal. So so let me ask you about number nine because that that album project. Um, I don't want to say it confused me, but was it? Platinum Blonde with two of the guys, and you couldn't use the name. Was it something completely different? Um, well,
1: okay. Well, let, let, let's let let's let's do reality. I mean, I'll be okay. most of the platinum. I I, I, I wrote most of the Platinum Blonde songs. I'm yes, you do. I'm a guitar player, so I write. So I write all the. I write a lot of guitar parts. I like bass parts. I like drum parts. I like keyboard parts. So what I write will always be sort of really Platinum Blonde when you think about it. It's just the reality of how things work, right? But it, it was just different members, and I was doing things differently. But yeah, you could, you you may look at it that way, and and, and it, you wouldn't be completely off base looking at that, looking at it like that. You know, it's quite perceptive of you,
0: right? Well, thank you. And so, and then of course now you have Alex Lifeson. He comes in on the um, what song was it? Uh, My time, and this this epic song which is like ten minutes long, and he plays keyboards on it um how did that come about i mean here you have one of the greatest he was he was he was
1: he he, he mixed the he was mixing the record and producing uh, a bunch of the tracks on the record it was a lot of people really loved it and like i said until the industry found out oh it's, it's that she's part of blonde burned a different name and then all of a sudden we were rejected the doors were slung shut it was really tough for us i'm telling you it was really tough we were so hated Canada hated us so much. It was so unbelievable. Not the people, right? The industry. The people, who have who most of them are gone, which is great. Because all the new people came in and we found love again. Which just shows to show you, you wait long enough and you will be loved again.
0: Yeah, it really but does. We had, I, to
1: work, we, had to, we had to wait so long for that to happen. And, I, and I, of course, that's become important in another field where, where the labels were all of a sudden sending me records to remix and paying me. You know what I mean? And then so now all of a sudden when I come out with something, now they pay attention. See, it's just the way it works. But I was smart. I just had to reinvent myself and, um, and move forward, and been- and, and, which is something a lot of people don't do and which is a reason so many, and, I mean, so many people die at the age of 27 and aren't buried until they're 90. You know, that's just the way it is. They just stop progressing. They stop moving forward and they start becoming current. Me, if I want to work up until I draw my last breath, because that's just way I am to retirement or, or stop doing, being creative, what earth is that? That's as bad as growing up because that's what happens. The moment you stop creating or stop being an artist, you just, you grow up and you know, all of a sudden you're stuck as shit. And that's just the reality of it.
0: Yeah, it really is. Now, now you did mention the solo album, how is that different in terms of the voice, n- not your singing voice, but the the voice of the message of the songs, compared to what a Platinum Blonde album would be? Because, as you did mention, you do write most of the songs. So why not just say... Well, you know what it is? Yeah.
1: I, I, can say, I can say different right away, because I don't have to make sure that it's a Platinum Blonde song when we play it live. I don't have to manipulate the guitar parts to to sound a certain way so we've got that that classic platinum blonde sound so when we play a song live it i don't have to think about any of that stuff i just work with the producers and stuff and 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 do these songs however we want to do them that's the difference about doing the solo record when i when when i'm back in platinum blonde mode i'm cognizant of i've got a guitar player who has a certain style uh okay so write stuff this way or i've got a drummer you know to follow along and 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 i know because i wrote all the drum parts back then too so i've got a you know but also it's easy for me to fall into that mode and it's a nice mode to fall into because it's a lot of fun and a lot of bands really dig it like a lot of other artists and stuff really like that stuff and of course our crowd does um but when you do a solo project you don't have to worry about that you just don't i mean it's like clearly doing uh something from block party when he went into his sort of solo stuff. It was, it was more electronic, like you know, and then back in the block party and it's got the block party sound. So I just, I just need, I just need that. That's um that outlet, you know, the, the, para- the parameters to sort of be expanded quite a bit more so I can just get out and do more things.
0: Okay. Cause I mean, because I do look at an artist like Madonna or like you too, that can push the boundaries but stay within the brand. And so for Platinum Blonde for you, you like so to that's keep... that's
1: basically what we do. We, we, we push the boundaries, hopefully, okay. and, but stay within the brand. Okay. But when I'm doing a solo project, I, I'm going to push the boundaries and, and not stay within the brand.
0: Okay, fair enough. Now, yeah,
1: but, but the brand will be my voice anyway. I right. mean, I, I've, I, I think it's so much more important to an artist to have a unique voice than a great voice. Yeah, I agree with
0: Because then
1: everyone sounds like you. Um, Bono's got a unique voice. It's not a great voice. If you've ever seen any musicals or, or uh, you know what I mean, theatrical musicals or anything like that, and you should professional singers people just work on it all day long. They sing magnificently. but They don't sound like anybody other than whomever they're doing. It just sounds like, you know, it seems like watching like uh, American Idol and all that. Oh, it's yeah, listen, exactly I, the, I fully that. agree exactly with you. fucking same. Yeah. Okay, so so, Bono wouldn't have won an American Idol, but he's going to sell millions and millions of records and fill stadiums, because that's just the way it is. And uh, I would have never won an American Idol, but I sold fucking million records, and I, and I played big, massive concerts everywhere. And it's just the way it yeah. is. So, yeah, practice where you can. Tap his brilliant, lovely, wonderful voice, but a lot of the times it's, when you have that signature sound totally different, you know it is the moment, including people with extremely beautiful voices like Justin Timberlake and stuff. Uh, but you know it's him when he's singing. You know it's uh, it, there, there, are, there are differences. He's got that, or, or Sia, for instance. She's got her own voice. And, and Amy Winehouse, fantastic, amazing voice. She would have won, uh, uh, you know, Fame Academy if she was in it, which was the original uh. American Idol, right. before American Idol was out, so film Academy she would have won that for sure and but she sounds different, you know I mean? it's the ones that really are different that people just go for, they just go for it
0: yeah i agree and with and, and they
1: should go for it because people are new profiles they're, they're like new things they're like they most people i mean humans as a whole, once they pass a certain age, you're very much into homeostasis, but young people aren't they're not. They don't want that. They want a new thing and, and, and they want something to call their own, which is probably why um when when we're doing shows, you see most of the kids at the front singing along with our new stuff and, and don't really know very much about the old stuff. <laughs> it's, it's weird because you've got all the other fans singing along with the old stuff and can't maybe somebody knows the new stuff. You know, there are a lot of the fans out there. I can't say that Marks there are rocks. but you know, there's a few people dumbfounded going, Oh, I don't know that one. But sing along with it anyway, because some of it is just so repetitive. It's catchy, and there you go, like Valentine. Not a lot of people saw that on on different shows and stuff. And of course, uh, you know the, the 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 video is supposed to look like a B movie, uh, zombie film, and, and a lot of people. So a lot of different sites and horror movie genre people to pick that up as well. So it's funny how you get across to people, but the reality is, um, you want. To play the big clubs the big places and 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 to make a statement then the the, the best the best possible chance of doing that is that you don't sound like anyone else
0: yeah and, and that's that's an important thing now and and I'll just finish on this uh the album standing in the dark was important to me growing up because you know nineteen eighty three I was what fifteen and it was it was it was that you know it was the album at the time, uh yeah. looking back for yeah. you uh, what does that album mean in terms of personally, uh, career-wise, song-wise? Is it well, just we, started,
1: we, we were we we were contracted originally to do? I mean, we were we were the first, one of the first indie bands. Basically, we recorded by ourselves and then uh, sold it to a record label. And we're always recording like as an as an independent artist, even though we had the big labels and we were so big and famous. We're kind of, we're an indie band. And, and but that's how far we could go. We were always still pushing the edge back then on how things were done as well. Uh, but that album there, that mean that was our first full album. Right? That was our first. We, we you know we had the six songs from the the, the um, EP on there as well, for the most part. And we and then we had a uh, new four four more four or five more songs, and um, that solidified our sound we basically were just recording music so we could maybe play clubs with our own music. That's really the only reason we did it. I mean, we wanted to play our own stuff. And before that we were, we were, we're three piece band, So we needed to play places. And, and we started playing college and universities doing a police tri- tribute. We were very good at it, but we'd also throw in on our own music as well. And people still dug it. And then we finally got, so that's how we made our money. And we finally got producer and stuff, and I'm well, you found a producer, and 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 then we started moving forward from there. And and, and all of the stuff worked out well. It was it's pretty exciting, and and that's what that album means, you know. I met David Tickle, our, our producer, and 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 I, and I got my first taste of of people disagreeing with me on on my on my arrangements, but then. Our, me looking at the arrangements and, and realizing, oh, that's correct. I learned a lot from from making that record because if, if you notice, the next record I produced was Eddie Orphit, and and so,
0: and, and David Tickle so is a, is one of the greatest. You know, he he's done uh, stuff with Blondie, U two, Prince, Gowan. I mean, he's you got you got one of the top notch ones right there, right off the the Bat Split Ends, of course, also. Um, yeah, and then you produced yeah. Alien Shores. Uh, Talk to me about about t- taking that on. Is that is that a danger for an artist? I mean, do do you sometimes need a set of outside ears or to step away from the music? Because can you not get too no. close to it?
1: I, I, yeah, I I found I find I get a little too close to it now. But back then, no. Um, I seem like what I was doing. I mean, I wrote uh, crying over you. I was I was actually going to send that to to Madonna, and I thought it was more of a Madonna type of track. And I wanted to meet her anyway because I was a little bit, you know, enamored by her. And, um, but when the label heard the song by mistake, they just went nuts and they said, now this song has a hook you can hang a winter coat on. You, you this has got to stay, stay a platinum blonde song, which I disagree with. I didn't want to release as a platinum blonde song. I didn't want a song like that to become our albatross become so big, which it did, that it defined us. And, and, and but not from the first album, it defines it from the second record. People over time of loved the first record a lot, but that second record was so big. And because of you know, Crying Over You was like it was it was a million selling single alone. The single alone sold over a million. I mean that's fucking crazy. And just in just in Canada alone, and we did okay in the States with that one too, in the UK and other places. But just in Canada alone, it was nuts. So, it, if hindsight is twenty twenty, I would have gone back and I would have made it a little closer to that first record. You see, or or just say no, no, we can't do this song, because I, if you look at a band like Muse they gradually made it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and now they play just big stadiums and stuff and do great shows and and because they gradually made it it's it, it's really important to kind of gradually start moving up there and, and get it and, and getting a, a crowd and, and and this way you sort of keep them they become more far more loyal to you but when you get a big smash all of a sudden and, and a whole pile more people are into you the, before and the other the original fans are saying, well, it doesn't really sound like the first album I really liked a lot. Then you know what I mean. It kind of there are so many songs on that track that did on that album that did re- reflect the first album that I liked a lot better, but they weren't the singles that everybody said this is the single. And of course, it was like one of the biggest singles ever. We kept "Aha" out of number one. <laughs> in so many places with with Crying Over You. Kept Corey Hart out of number one with the Don't Look Back or whatever song. That song was nuts, and but it, it's an albatross because that's then what people expect from you. And and don't forget, we're growing up. Like when, when Contact came up, we, well, we started to grow up a little and our musical taste is developing. And there, that's when you need the true perspective because you need, to say, hang on, I'm moving a little too far forward here, and it's too quick for the fans to catch on to, and that's a huge mistake. But when you when you say to people, "Oh, it was only two and a half times platinum," that uh, contact was only two and a half times platinum, that just shocked. That was a, that was a, a failure. I mean, people were people were getting gold records and celebrating and cracking champagne, and we we. Quadrupled that in in five times that, and and to us it was a it was a failure. So it's the perspective that you have to have to to, to keep yourself on the planet is is it's got to be a strong strong world perspective. I mean, it really does. You have to have your mind about it. And with so many people pulling as well by pulling out, so many people are having so much money into this thing. And it becoming such a big money machine that the center was completely lost. Yeah, you know, it- that's the 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 band decided to take a break and and then re reformed when uh, when it was safe to come out when 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 all the nuclear fallout had had gone away and new things were growing and people went in and in. Basically, that was it. I mean, we went into a bomb shelter. There was a nuclear war. We came out and. And now we're 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 repopulating the earth.
0: Yeah, and it's funny that look
1: at it, but really that's the way it is.
0: It's funny that you mentioned the albatross thing, because I I had spoken to Doug Fieger of the Knack years ago, and he said that my Sharona was the golden albatross, and he says it's golden because it's paying for my pool and my house and this and that. But at the same time, every song he wrote afterwards, people would say, "Eh, that's nice, but it's not my Sharona. Go try again." And he became just dis- I don't want to say despondent, but it was frustrating did Did you encounter that same frustration with "Crying Over You?" Did people after that say, "Yeah, no, that's great." No, but
1: because we we released uh, uh, situation critical, and that sold uh, a million singles as well, just singles, you know, and that became a top 10 hit. It wasn't as big as, as "Crying Over You," but it was enough to say, "Oh, this is the next one." And then of course. Uh, Somebody Somewhere was really big and that was bigger in America too and and all the world. And that, that sort of, you so we had a lot of hits off that record. You know, we always had each record we released, we always had about 10 top tens. And I mean, I'm sorry, four top tens. So it kind of moved forward. Even when we released Contact, we still had top tens out of that record. It's just that, that, things at, this, at that time were starting to go a bit funny. There's too many people dragging this this way and that way. Bands maturing a little bit, growing up, liking have different interests, and we couldn't keep it together. And, and it's a shame, but there was some personality clashes that just, just were just too difficult to deal with at a state of maturity.
0: And, and Yeah, oh, too too hard to overcome. Was it a good decision at that time, though, to move to four players? Should, should the band really have just stayed three and that, that was the core? Because like you said earlier in this interview, that's the sound and you got back to playing bass and, and that's what the band is. Should you have just seen that and, and, and stayed with that all the way through?
1: Uh, yes and no. Um, I think at that time, the frontman... Angle was extreme was was an, was an, a really important to how actually big we became. Like we just became really big, and and, and being a frontman and, and and having that freedom really uh, really added to that. I believe quite a bit. So no, I don't think we should have. But when Ke- Kenny passed away, having someone else there just didn't feel right, and. And they were going through some some problems and issues that I felt that I don't want to go. I don't have to do it anymore. I don't want to have the drinking and drug thing anymore. I'm done with that. And uh, and so we decided to go back to three piece and uh, and keep things uh, moving. And also it's it's fun for me. And people really like three piece stuff because remember, there's a lot of people out there that didn't know us as, as is that our, our even our 2012 record releases a four piece? So it's a surprise when people see just three people out there. Still, yeah. you know that four piece was was so much bigger than when we were three piece.
0: Yeah, and, and I don't know if this means anything to you, but I prefer the band as a three piece. You know, I, I was back then, you know, with uh, Standing in the Dark, and, and and that's what I got used to. That was the visual I got used to, and I always. Watched you know the Much Music concert and I saw the four piece and it just it just never registered and uh, uh, you know uh, you gotta love Kenny and stuff uh, you know God bless him but uh, you know I, I like I like the formation now I like what I saw in Belleville this summer it was just it was fantastic it, it, the band sounded tight the okay. music sounded tight and I'm very much looking forward to the October 28th show in uh, Montreal, you're, you're playing on the same night as Lita Ford, so it's going to be a double-double for me that night, so I can't wait.
1: Uh, yeah, well, it was it's our first concert, actual concert in Montreal, in probably about 15 years or something, maybe more.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm we trying haven't, to think. We
1: haven't, been to, we haven't been to Montreal in a very, very, very long time. Uh, uh, Sad, I know, but...
0: I saw you in a, in a bar here with Honeymoon Suite and that God, must be going back to 98 99 no. 2001 i so, mean
1: something like that yeah
0: yeah long long time ago great That's pleasure so long. great pleasure speaking with you today mark and uh, thank you thank you for all the all the memories over the years thank you for that great show this summer and uh, it was an absolute pleasant uh, pleasure talking to you today thank you so much mate Cheers. I'll see you at the show yeah absolutely bye 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 now And there you have it, folks. My interview with Mark Holmes of iconic Canadian band Platinum Blonde. Please check me out on Twitter at Mitch Lafon, M-I-T-C-H-L-A-F-O-N, one-on-one Mitch Lafon on Facebook and paypal.me forward slash Mitch Lafon, should you care to support the podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Mark. And bye for now. Oh, my.